Well, Brent is gay, and Caitlin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Issue 202, I'm Caitlin. I'm Clark. And I'm Adam. It's the Three Caballeros back again, our favorite. Uh, This week, we've got Caitlin's awesome con experience. What if episode three recap review? A trailer park visit finds us with No Way Home and Midnight Suns. Backdoor pilots, release dates, casting and more newsflash, and the issues. But before we get into our content, be sure to check out our latest addition to Bar Sinister, The Green Lagoon, a tequila-based cocktail so good you'll think you're on Krakoa. You can find the ingredients and recipe on our Instagram at Homo Superior Podcast and Twitter at Homo Superior X. Kaylin, I heard you went to AwesomeCon this weekend. How awesome was it? Uh, it was pretty fucking awesome because it was my first experience at a con uh, in two years um, uh, because obviously because of COVID, uh, you know, clearly like, um, you know, people are vaxxed, but, you know, breakthrough cases are happening. Uh, you were required to wear a mask the entire time. They took your temperature. So they try to take as many precautions as possible. Um, you know, I was expecting it to be pretty desolate, but it wasn't. It actually, there was a good crowd of people. I think everybody was really like nice and sweet to one another. The cosplay was just amazing. And I went with a couple of people, one of whom dressed as the Eartha Kit Catwoman. Everybody loved her. Love it. And then, and then on the other one who dressed as Speed Racer and uh, like had the look down. It was also his first con experience ever. And every two feet we walked, people would stop him to get a picture or start like singing the speed racer theme to him or, or, or something. It was, it was great that he got that experience. Uh, so I was really, really happy about that. Um, I did not dress up because I'm me. I didn't even do my fucking John Constantine bullshit. Uh, <laughs> I did wear, I wore a, uh, this really cool shirt that had like a bunch of old school, like EC comics, like horror panels all over it. Uh, and then I've got like a, a mask that has a bunch of like comic book onomatopoeia, like, zoom bath you know all that kind of stuff from like 1966 so, batman yeah well it sounds like you're just a big fucking nerd then <laughs> yeah i'm a big fucking nerd i've been on this podcast for four great cosplay years. you nailed it <laughs> i did uh but like um you know got a lot of cool shit um you know mostly like picked up some art uh picked up some gifts for some friends who've got birthdays coming up um I did get this really cool, like, um, painting slash illustration of Cyclops uh, by an artist named Sean Anderson. And it was a limited edition. I got one out of 100 uh, copies. So I'm really excited about that. And I got, like, a poster of the cover of Giant Size X-Men number one that I'm going to get framed. Uh, The X-Men fan that I am and a bunch of T-shirts. And it was just, it was a really cool experience. But the best part of it was we actually went to a panel and we went to a panel on queerness and superheroes. It was sponsored by uh, like Geeks Out, the, the folks who are behind FlameCon. And it was really a panel of one person, a, a guy by the name of Brett Michael, who uh, did like kind of the whole history of queerness um, in, uh, in, in, in superhero comics specifically. Uh, we did an Instagram post and Twitter, uh, Twitter or tweets, I should say, about it as well, going from all the way from, you know, the very beginning of queerness being in the closet to kind of where we are right now. And we even talked a little bit about, or he rather talked a little bit about, um, you know, Bobby Drake, Iceman coming out. We've reviewed Iceman's comic. And while we're glad he's out, uh, his outing was done by a cis uh, straight white guy who had Jean Grey bringing out, young Jean Grey bringing out young Bobby Drake in the mm. closet. And it's like, 
that's not the way to do this. It's like that's great a- that we're getting representation, but God damn it. Like, I mean, we need more, you know, like queer creators telling these stories rather right. than, you know, it's just that creators, you know, telling these stories. So it was a really not good Grace. <laughs> All right. Well, you leave our friend Senna Grace alone. Yeah. He's got bad jokes. Tag him, tag him. <laughs> He's got sexy taste. Lots of uh, Doc and an Iceman fucking our friend. Adam, what did you do this weekend? What did I do this weekend? I went on a, uh, it's, I guess it's still an improv trip, but it's mostly just friends I used to do improv with. Krull was actually with me as well, but he's uh, off the, uh, off, <laughs> offline right now, I guess. I don't fucking know. But we were at, uh, we were in Rehoboth Beach, so we didn't get super nerdy. We did do a murder mystery though, and we did our own level of cosplay just as <laughs> 1980s trash people, and it worked out really well. I went to a murder <laughs> mystery party once. It was like an overnight one, and there was like two days worth of stuff. And the best part was when it wasn't a person who was murdered, I and mean, it was story-wise, but they used a pillow. And um, as we're all gathered around the body trying to find evidence, this, like, the dog that was there starts humping the pillow. <gasps> <laughs> they're all screaming, laughing at this murdering, murdered human being fucked by a dog. Oh my god! We did crazy. throw a blanket. We threw a blanket on the couch to, and and a wig underneath it in order to create the body as well. But no weird. humping dog. There was no weird dog <laughs> having sex with it. Clark, what'd you do this weekend? Nick, Nikki and I watched seven hours of the British, um, the UK uh, Love Island until Nikki's four in the our, morning. We, we, been we on the podcast before. We, we didn't want to go to Kaylin's um um thing that you know you're DJing at DJ. trade. So instead we're literally a block away watching Terrace House and I mean excuse me, Love Island. <laughs> um the best part was the last episode where they all are all spitting ketchup into each other's mouths. Oh, and God. at three in the morning we're screaming and I'm like the neighbors are gonna hate me. But you know what? Ketchup and mouths. It was great. Uh, just to confirm for the audience, it's Terrace House, not No terrorist. no 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 Terrace House is what Ginny and I watch. Nikki and I watched Love Island, and that's oh, what I Love watched Island. this weekend. Got it. I'm always it's like, Terrace um, Island and Love House. Let's mix them up. No. I mean, Love House sounds very porny. And Terrace yeah. Island sounds awesome. Subscribe to our Homo Superior Love House, which you can find on OnlyFans <laughs> since it's back the now. next month. Oh, really? <laughs> it oh, is, it is. They reverse course. They reverse pretty well, quickly when they knew how much fucking money they were going to lose. Yep. Kaylin? Well, I was going to say, uh, with Ryan Krull not on this podcast, it's 100% less screaming. Uh, to the murder mystery y'all did, I hope you found out who killed Wanda, because we're still wondering. Uh, and three, yes, Clark, thanks for mentioning. Yeah, I got to DJ for the first time in a year and a half. Like, not only did I get to go to a con for the first time in two years, I got to DJ in forever, which is, like, one of my other hobbies. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, so next time I do it, um, if you're in the D.C. area, please come by. Don't come. <laughs> no, come show up my, and go to, show up and go to Clark's house. Yeah, go yeah, to Clark's house uh, one block away and watch uh, Love Island. I thought y'all were going to do Dua Lipa as a single right there. Like, don't come, don't show up. Oh, right. That's fair. Don't stop. Oh, don't. don't stop thinking about me. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's talk some what if, what if, episode three. What if the world lost its mightiest heroes? The third episode of What If is the MCU's first murder mystery following Nick Fury, Phil Coulson, Black Widow, and a few extra guests as they attempt to figure out who's killing prospects for the Avengers Initiative. Tony, Thor, Hulk, Hawkeye, and even Natasha herself succumb to the mysterious killer while Loki and the Asgardians arrive for brotherly vengeance. 
Father-child issues take center stage once again in the MCU. As it turns out, this whole time, it was Hank Pym looking for revenge for the death of his daughter, Hope. Loki saves the day, but not without taking over Earth, giving us What If's Darkest episode yet. Thoughts on the episode? Kalen. Uh, this is probably my favorite episode thus far. Um, and it, it wasn't flawless. I think it had, overall, the pacing was good, but like I think I wanted more from it. It's probably the most, the biggest flaw I can give. But I liked the idea that it wasn't one event. It was like a couple of different movies, uh, like Iron Man 2, uh, the first Thor movie, uh, where like little things were happening to like prevent Nick Fury from like assembling and creating the Avengers. Um, and I really like the reveal. So spoilers alert, like if you haven't watched the episode, stop listening to this podcast or like fast forward to our next segment. But the, uh, the culprit behind it all is a deranged Hank Pym because uh, in this universe, uh, his daughter uh, Hope, uh, as played by Evangeline Lilly in the Ant-Man and Wasp movies, um, like becomes an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. and she dies on a mission and like he like swears, re- swears revenge on Nick Fury. And so the way to do it is his, him from preventing from the Avengers being created. So I thought like, finally we get a deranged Hank Pym, which I don't think we were ever going to get in the MCU. Uh, and I love like Loki's inclusion. And I love that like, you know, at the very end, Nick Fury is like, yeah, you can leave now. Thanks for your help. And he's like, no, nah, I'm going to stay and take over the earth. Take and that was like a nice, like, that was a nice little coda. But overall, very enjoyable episode. Um, it was definitely my favorite as well because you didn't know where the hell it was going. Like I had no idea it was going to be Hank Pym by the end. Um, I do want to note that he was wearing the yellow jacket outfit, so obviously that means he's fucking crazy. Because whenever yeah. he wore that in the comics, he was always going through some mental issues. That's when he that's when he hit um, Wasp, which caused all the drama for the next forty years worth of his existence. Um, I loved. The Hulk just fucking blowing up. That like was slow. so fucking great. I was like, was, they can't. I was so surprised. That they, couldn't, shit. they couldn't do body horror for Spider-Man turning into a spider, but they could explode the fucking Hulk off screen. <laughs> it was it was pretty great. I want a lot more of that. I want dark endings to things. I mean, that's what I said. The first two that we watched, I felt everything was went too well. Even yeah. though we had like the final bit of, you know, the final coda of um, ego showing up in the second the one before this, it, this one was just dark, 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 dark. Yeah, this was bleak the whole time. I mean, there were deaths on screen almost every like three minutes because you had Tony get basically, I mean, really what he was doing is just floating into everyone's fucking system and then breaking it, which I thought was uh, yeah. pretty impressive. Um, but I, you know, it's funny cause I was watching with my uh, boyfriend, Andrew and like, I'm sitting there, I think it was after I saw Hawkeye about like ending up shooting that I was like, oh, this has to be Ant-Man related. And then Andrew was like, oh, I think I knew what the killer is. And then I felt like stupid. Cause I was like, well, it can't be that. I'm sure Andrew has a better idea. He's like, oh, I thought it was going to be Gamora and Nebula. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> he said, oh, yeah. I think he said, I think during part of the episode, they mentioned that something comes from, like they're talking about, we were we were missing the threats beyond space kind of idea. So he thought it was more like an like the alien invasion was already here kind of thing. So I even thought at some point it might have been scroll related. Because, but like, it just was, I thought it was really great. I loved watching the Michael Douglas sound like freak the fuck out as uh, Hank Pym. I thought that worked really well. Um, and uh, Lake Bell actually did, I thought, really well at impersonating uh, Scarlett Johansson and her like, like sort of Black Widow conversation. 
Um, some of it, I forget, there was someone that definitely stood out once again as like being like, oh boy, oh, Jeremy Renner was not a great voice actor. He was still, uh, I like that it's like part of the series now where every episode I'm like, who's the one? Who's the one that's not supposed to be doing voice acting? Caleb? Well, it's a good thing he died pretty early on. Uh, but um, so, you know, it's funny that you uh, mentioned that Andrew uh, said Gamora and Nebula, because I actually thought it could have been Thanos or somebody from the Black Order who started doing this to prevent, uh, you know, the Avengers being there to, you know, deal with like the shit that he was going to do like down the road in Infinity War. So uh, uh, that's not a really bad guess, but I was still happy it was Hank Pym. Also, I'm usually the guy like in the movie theater when people start walking up at the at, like, during the credits and I'm screaming at them mentally, why did you, why aren't you staying for the post credit sequence? You know, you know this, this yes. is after 13 years of film. With that said, I didn't watch the post credit sequence. So can somebody tell me what it was so we can talk about it? I, I wasn't, I don't remember if it was the post credits. Isn't it when he, when he, they find Captain America and suddenly to his right is Captain Marvel? Captain Marvel. Oh. Oh yeah, yeah. That, I watched that. I thought you were. I thought. I thought there was a an actual pro. Oh, maybe I just didn't that. pay attention either. I don't know, Adam. Do you know? No, that was the sequence. I thought that was at the end of it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking of like there was another sequence after the credits rolled because I, uh-huh. I, I was like, oh, I'm not gonna even like watch all the credits. I'm just gonna like you know stop. Oh watching. no, that was definitely the one. And I, it's so funny. I will continue to say that for all three of these, particularly the last two. I really do want more of these universes. So I think, I like, like we were saying too, it's like, we want the episode to be a little bit longer. That was my only hold about this one. It could have been like, I don't know, like a mid season, like movie, like they just had so many cool things going on and interesting character interactions. I would have wanted more and maybe even to tell a little bit more of a story for like Black Widow. Cause obviously she just got her own standalone movie. It could have been more time to build up the character, but you know, I'm, I'm going to take what they can give. But the, the fact that we want more of it uh, and wanted it to be longer really proves obviously that like the quality of the episode i think whereas the other two i was kind of like okay this is great they can wrap it up i'd like to see other episodes for star lord but i'm not interested in the story going on for a long time Gillen? yeah no i um i think leaving them wanting more is a is a good design uh, uh for all of these episodes this one being probably the most interesting although i think the one uh the first episode with, with captain carter was also super interesting as well but it, it's it's a nice contrast from a lot of what if comics, mm-hmm. where it's just the wor- the world being destroyed, the universe being destroyed, all this bad shit happens, and it, like it's fun to watch, you know, read like some of those like you know like fucking disaster tales. But like, there's very little follow up I want to see, and uh, I wanted to see in a lot of those universes. In this one, in the in the shows, uh, I think we'll get some more. And if we don't, that's still a nice little coda that like, oh, there's some cool shit that could happen. In, our, in my imagination. I'm really glad that they're, uh, I think the release, I'm super interested to continue to watch the release order because I feel like they've gone in sequence at least so far. These keep getting further and further out of just like modeling a movie and replacing one thing and retelling that story. So I think, it, I think using Captain Carter was a great pilot because it kind of like set the stage for what at least we're starting with. And then it slowly started evolving. And like I said, this, this felt like a fundamentally completely just interesting like comic story or something completely off. So I'm really happy to see them do this. And I know we've got zombies coming up. So that's obviously going to be very off uh, what happened in the movies, but even something like vision becoming um, 
Ultron, I think will be really interesting. And I'm almost hoping they'll play into some of the other things that we may not see on screen since like, you know, we're never going to get like an Age of Ultron type thing. Like I'd love to kind of see them even fast forward to certain universes. So that's, I was, I really liked the Captain America, Captain Marvel end credit because I almost wanted to see an episode of just that already having happened. Like this was a really cool prequel leading up to it, but I'd love them to just be in like a dystopia of sorts that they're, they're working through in some regards. I think we may get that honestly, because what, what I liked about this episode was it kind of put you in media res. Whereas like, you know, in the first two episodes, you have the watcher basically saying, here's where it diverted. It didn't give you that in the mm-hmm. beginning. It like it played out like a little bit like, like Iron Man two, and then it diverted. It played out a little bit like from the first store, then it diverted. Um, but so I can see an, uh, an upcoming episode kind of doing what you just saw. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it was very different to your, the same way that I thought at first that the, you know, the, the diversion point was um, the death of, of Hope. But then, mm-hmm. no, it definitely had to be different because she first had to be a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. So even further than right. that act in order to make this an actually, you know, like divergent plot. Mm-hmm. Um, when you guys were talking about who you thought was doing it, I thought it was Phil Coulson. <laughs> I don't know why that was just in my head I was like fuck this guy uh, maybe well, it's because the comics now have him as a complete dick so I've been you know right. like poisoned oh is he really that's so funny he's a bad guy like, well he, he died and like went to hell and then um, demon resurrected him and now he's a piece uh, of shit um, I love Greg Clark he's he was I, it's, his voice is just so fun he's a fun actor for Coulson it's a good really good fit there, yeah. there also is there was there was no after credits thing after after yeah, this one and as you said oh. i'm very excited for the um the zombie episode just because the visuals were very heavy metal which is that fucked up like movie from the 70s late early <laughs> yeah. 80s so early. i mean i fucking loved that as a kid even though there was lots of breasts and i didn't really care for that much <laughs> but that shit was dark and this is going to be hey, dark as hell nothing wrong with breasts everyone's got them yeah, well, the size of them were, were they they were very voluptuous. <laughs> and that scares Clark. Meanwhile, I wanted to see these fucking space, no, I mean like airplane 1940s zombies eating each other on flights. I thought you were going to say you wanted to see voluptuous dicks instead. No. <laughs> Let's go on down to the trailer park. Thanks for doing the accent because I really didn't want to do that. So uh, finally, 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 this week, uh, the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer came out. First, it was leaked, and you could watch it by watching a video of somebody else's video with a watermark. Uh, Not the ideal way to watch it. So Marvel and Sony uh, decided to just lean into it and actually release the trailer. So uh, it's, it's got a lot of information. Uh, it's set right after Spider-Man's identity was re- revealed by Joe, J- Joe Jonah Jameson at the end of Far From Home. Uh, he then, Peter just goes to Doctor Strange to return, to the, return the world to the point where no one remembers who Spider-Man is. So bringing his secret identity back. It really kind of seems it's almost a little bit of a riff on the much maligned Spider-Man storyline, One More Day. I don't know anybody who likes that storyline. That's where uh basically marvel editorial uh wanted to dissolve peter and mary jane's wedding and so they had to make a deal with mephisto and to save aunt may and uh the deal was that nobody like remembered a certain point uh of spider-man's history blah 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 blah. 
but what did you guys think of the trailer, you know, broadly with the inclusion of Doctor Strange and Wong and all the kind of timey-wimey shit it could bring? Adam? It's one of my favorite kind of trailers because even though so much shit happened in it, I feel like it's probably only the first, like, 30 uh, minutes. Like, it's certainly the first act. I mean, them ending with the introduction of Doc Ock, like, it just is the, it's the actual teaser I want. So this goes to say that like, I probably should only watch teasers from now on because actual trailers makes me want to strangle myself because everything gets spoiled. But it jazzed me up like nobody's business. I think they hit all the right notes and they kept a lot of cards close to their chest. Um, definitely having the ongoing mentorship relationship transfer from Tony to uh, Dr. Strange is so great. Their chemistry is already going to be good. You know, they had their little interaction of like, we saved the world. What should I call you? And I just thought like, it's just gonna continue to build his own like trilogy of these kind of like mentorship plots uh, with Nick Fury and Tony before him. Tony and I are best friends. I just always say Tony instead of Iron Man. Um, but yeah, no, I really loved it. And I, I really wanna see more of it. And I think also Zendaya as MJ, even though it's a very different MJ play, I think their chemistry is very interesting to see on screen. And I like that Zendaya kind of presents the MJ character as a very like strong-willed, independent thoughtfulness versus like damsel in distress that we certainly saw in uh, previous iterations of the movies, uh, Clark. Yeah, in the comics, that's what she, she, it's very similar to how she acts in the comics, I think. She's a much more uh, physically, interestingly more important and independent character than the past two movies or past two movie series were. So I like her because it does, I feel like, she doesn't seem different to me. She seems normal because I read the comics of her. Um, so they're playing that much better than the last two series. I am very excited for this movie at the same time. Not that I was bored by it, just I knew, but I think it's because I knew, we knew what was going to happen. They've been, yeah. you know, sitting, giving us bits for so long that none of this to me was very surprising except for the, you know, trying to put the genie back in the bottle of his, you know, who he who the who the, yeah. who the new Spider-Man is. I cannot stand, and I always forget the um American accent that whatchamacallit plays. Be Benedict Cum Benedict Cumberbatch. Benedict Cum I can't I hate it. I hated him. We kept doing a Saturday Night Live. It's it's <laughs> un to me unlistenable. There it's garbled and just obnoxious. I hate it. There's one thing worse than that, though, and that's his current haircut in this fucking movie. I don't know what they did to him between movies, but it looks like they aged him up as like a 90-year-old grandpa, and I do not like it. I like my... It's COVID, it's COVID Doctor Strange because he's just wearing sweatpants, he hasn't <laughs> left the house, and he hasn't gotten a haircut in, in months. So it just looks very yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I know he's the character, the overall costume is just very fucking camp, but for some reason, he looked a little bit more slick in the previous editions. And then this one, like, yeah. that haircut really, it looks so, like, fluffy, I guess, is flouncy almost. I don't know. I just wasn't a fan. Yeah. I, I just thought about this, um, you know, when the trailer came out uh, last year, we got no MCU content for obvious reasons. This year, we've gotten, we're, we're going to get five shows because Hawkeye is coming out this fall, and I'm including What If. And we're getting four movies. I'm very excited for it, but it's like, this is a lot of fucking MCU content that's happening in, in the span of 365 days. Do we almost think it's, it's too much? Are we getting oversaturated? As someone who is oversaturated with RuPaul, I say no, only because it's, there's just enough like every month 
there's like, that's kind of what I like is there's always a little bit of a taste versus like <clears throat> everything's exactly the same. What I get nervous about is when the movies and shows start really blending into each other. And I don't feel like I'm seeing that just yet, but yeah. I'm like, we were one of the, like, I'm, I worry about the third acts. I worry about some of the comedy. Like I'm less concerned about the overall vehicles. I want all of them. I just hope that the MCU mold doesn't break its own back by just being the same thing over and over and over again kind of idea. I mean, I'm fine with it just because this wasn't supposed to happen. That's fair. This uh, this yeah. is supposed, half of this was supposed to happen last year and half was supposed to happen this year. So, you know what? They're not going to do this to the nth degree like they've done it this year. Hopefully. This is a good point. Well, it's a very, it was a very <laughs> same point, uh, I'm not against famine. it. We didn't have <laughs> yeah. it for a year and a half. It was very feast and famine. Also, um, you know, obviously, uh, Adam, you mentioned Doc Ock, you know, being in this movie. He's in the trailer. It's Alfred Molina's Doc Ock from Spider-Man 2 way back in 2004. Uh, so clearly there's some multiverse shit that's going to start happening. Uh, but I don't know if you guys saw, somebody made a video where it's just the end of the trailer and it's Alfred Molina doing If I Were a Rich Man from Fiddler on the Roof as oh, Doc yeah. Ock. And it's so dumb. It's so fucking dumb. <laughs> but I really... But that's what the internet's for. I kind of loved it. There was, wasn't there speculation that some weird dark blob, like in a cut of the trailer, was like Lizard? I think people are trying to make the Amazing Spider-Man stuff happen. Uh, yeah. I feel like that's going to be almost too much. I feel like doing a dual, especially because nobody even gives a shit about, sadly, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. But Electro's going to be in it anyway. Yeah, with, uh, that's fair. I just, I like really wonder if, if if it'll all it'll be all three because i feel like that might that could get very overwhelming at least if there's three spider-man not necessarily villains i mean oh, yeah. they I have to know. make a sinister six and i'm assuming they're going to use scorpion and um who the hell vulture, vulture. vulture. one so yeah. you introduce four here bring back sandman well who's that fucking actor that guy's uh from wings yeah, that's yeah, what I was Wings. thinking of too. Wings and then that drunk movie with Paul Giamatti. <laughs> Sideways, yes. movie, yeah. <laughs> uh, All right, well, so Adam, uh, I know you're super excited about this, but tell us about Midnight Suns, which yes. should be coming out pretty soon. So just this week, it's funny, it's been a big game week for Marvel because we're not really talking about it here, but Future Revolution just dropped on mobile and it's like a kind of an MMO action rpg i ha I just downloaded it on my phone i haven't been playing it yet though but you can actually play as like storm and a bunch of other characters and the graphics are using like the unreal engine and shit so but on top of that uh 2k games and Firaxis games revealed a long rumored xcom styled rpg called midnight suns so the overall description is that when hell awakens only they can stop it and basically what you're doing is it seems like they're going to be doing an there's no gameplay it's just a trailer reveal a uh, really cool movie Features Wolverine, Magic, Ghost Rider, Captain America, Iron Man, Captain Marvel, um, and even Nico from uh, The Runaways. They're gonna, you know, you're gonna be able to play with those characters. You're gonna be able to create your own kind of hero to defeat Lilith uh, before the Darkhold is complete. So, for those who don't know, Firaxis Games does the XCOM series. It's a tactical RPG, just fucking phenomenal gameplay. It's uh, usually you're running your own base and fighting aliens, um, but it's coming out in March 2022. I am so goddamn excited about this. You don't even understand. My boyfriend and I are huge fans of XCOM. Everyone I know that's played XCOM loves it. Um, I think there's going to be like relationship systems in it where you can grow with the characters. 
And again, magic isn't a fucking video game. So that's great. And so is uh, Nico. But I don't know if you guys have ever played XCOM or if you have any interest in us, but we'd love to hear from you. I do want to play them, but I've never done any other ones. The last games, X-Men games I really liked were those X-Men Legend ones in like 2002, 2004, etc. Yeah, it's been it's been a rough ongoing for Marvel games because Ultimate Alliance three was supposed to cut was came out on Switch and it was supposed to be like a second coming and everyone was so excited because we thought everyone still really likes your light. The X Men Legends one and two are the best versions of that game because Ultimate mm-hmm. Alliance got kind of gamey and then the third one was just this action game you could hardly keep fucking track of anything that was going on. Um, so I'm really hoping that and and now they don't do really Marvel vs Capcom anymore so. I'm hoping that this will set it up. To be honest, I was very fucking surprised that this was the topic. Wasn't there, there was supposed to be a series or a movie about Midnight Suns, is that correct? It'll happen yeah. at some point. Yeah. Like, no, it was supposed to be a Hulu show. Remember they're gonna do all yeah. those? Well, it was not called, really, like, it was called, adve- it was called Adventures, Adventures in Terror or Adventures yeah. in Horror or something like that. But there was also a, um, there was also a um, comic series that they wanted to do yeah. around 2017 called midnight suns but it was s-o-n-s which was like a throwback to the 90s stuff that where uh ghost rider and all those characters like had a, like kind of a height of popularity then so unfortunately that got that got scuttled so hopefully the game is good it looks well, i'm also good. excited for the uh sequel noon moons noon moons midnight suns noon yeah, tea time hey, yeah. no, sorry tea now time stars or moon daughters <laughs> Moon well, well. Uh, speaking of moon daughters, I'm hearing a little of a noise. I'm hearing a news flash. Oh my god! Uh, first, Deadline reports that Shinichiro's Watanabe's cult anime classic Cowboy Bebop, which follows a misfit group of bounty hunters, is coming to Netflix Friday, November nineteenth. Uh, we've got uh, John Cho as Spike Spiegel, Mustafa Shakir as uh, Jet Black and Daniela Pineda as Faye Valentine. Uh, we also got our first look at uh, the three leads in action and some stills uh, that were released. And, you know, I think all of you, we've all seen this, right? Like we've seen not the stills, but like we've watched the show, correct? Oh God, of course. Yeah, right. Like a hundred times. What'd you guys think? Where the fuck is Ed? That's where my question is. Well, Ed doesn't show up until like episode 10 or something of the series yeah right? but they didn't join until a little bit later either well that was like episode three though that was pretty early days right i don't remember i don't they're um, definitely not gonna follow like the episode no. they'll probably take threads of it but it's definitely gonna be like a show show versus more like slice of life um, i mean it's amazing right it's, i mean it looks very good i know we commented on the fact that i commented the fact that as opposed to me talking about heavy metal and breasts I would like to see more breasts in this one because Faye is so covered up that it just looks wrong. She, it, she Her sexuality is hugely important to her character, and now she's basically just muzzled. Yeah, I'm going to definitely bank that on hopefully Daniela's acting talent because I, I would agree that I'm very happy with the overall change to not obviously just make her wearing like sexual shirt and like, yeah, exactly, over sexualized, but like. I agree that it'll be interesting to see how they play out some of the stuff that we might've seen from that character or how the character even works and interacts. Um, I thought uh, Mustafa Shakira as Jet looks fantastic, yes. very spot on. Um, and Joe, John Jet like looks like Spike. I think I, I need a little bit more hair poof. Like I know mm-hmm. that that would be like impossible to create in real life, but like his, I mean, they showed him without a shirt on and I was like, okay, that's Spike Spiegel. I like that part. 
Um, but yeah, I think he's going to be great overall as the character, but it's, it's definitely, it'll be interesting to see how it is in light, like in full action and I'm like, you know, movement versus just like stills. You but I think how, the overall design without making it feel campy. You know how annoyed I get with hair color changes. I don't really care about race change as much, but if you've <laughs> changed someone's hair color, I get furious. And so I was annoyed with the not greenishness that I saw at the very least of the hair in these stills. It might be different, but... Oh, you're right, though. It was always... like Well, that was... I think Deadline even fucking described the alphabet. Like, they said his his suit was purple. I was like, no, it wasn't. It was, like, a dark blue. Yeah. Uh, a little velour. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm very... I'm just very excited. I'm so glad it's coming this year. Um, and I'm just happy to have another, like, Asian-American or Asian actor in the role right. of a main character and a heartthrob. <laughs> All right, so Black Panther 2 will introduce Ironheart star Dominique Thorne ahead of the Disney Plus show. Uh, so she's going to have her own Disney Plus show, but coming first is going to be Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Variety has confirmed this. Uh, feels like a good backdoor pilot, just like Black Panther got in uh, Civil War himself. What are you all feeling about that? Um, that sounds great. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm really excited about it, and... Um... You know, curious still how they're going to do the movie, uh, you know, without Chadwick Boseman. But uh, this gives me even more, um, you know, uh, anticipation and more excitement for this movie, which is coming out next summer, as you said. I mean, I'll say fine by me. I don't know. There's, I feel like there's a lot of characters being introduced here. Going on, yeah. We got Namor and Namorita and now um, Ironheart. I don't know who the hell else anymore. There's yeah. so many there's so many movie well, pieces that are going to be so in yeah, this. We've so got a that, million Dora Milaje and to that point, what's your uh, pitch on how this might all work? I know we probably obviously are getting what kind of versus Landis, but how does Riri fit into all this? Clay Kalen. Well, uh, I'm not sure how she's going to fit in yet, um, but uh, you know, I was worried about this with Civil War because I was going to introduce, well, set up the conflict between Tony and Steve, introduce Black Panther, introduce Spider Man you know, bring in the, the conflict amongst the Avengers and then sort of set it up for like phase three, which is going to lead into Infinity War and Endgame. And it was done pretty flawlessly. It wasn't like, it didn't crumble under its own weight like Age of Ultron did a year before. But like Riri being introduced, like there's got to be something about like, sort of like the sort of the stark stuff that's like mm. kind of inter intermingled there. Because um, I keep going back to this, my favorite run of Black Panther in the comics is by Christopher Priest. And they had a, a couple of different storylines where it was like, it was like T'Challa, Tony Stark, uh, and Namor and Dr. Doom all kind of interacting from a kind of a, like a Marvel, you know, 616 real politics thing. And so having in, you know, bringing in like sort of the Stark tech uh, and what it means vis-a-vis -vis the Wakandan tech and the fact that Riri is a, you know, a young black woman, uh, I think they're going to kind of play up some of that stuff that maybe we saw in the first movie vis-a-vis -vis Killmonger about like, you know, mm. what it means to be African versus what it means to be African-American. It seems interesting for that character to be the only American in the show. It's going to be like a war between two foreign <laughs> governments and then this American girl. What? The baby show? Yeah, I'm, I just, I'm fascinated by how they'll put all these pieces together. But maybe that maybe that's what it is. Maybe like they reach out to Stark Industries to like help with the war or some shit like that. And she just happens to be like a fucking intern. That's like, wait a minute, I just oh, built. Yeah. She's, not gonna be, 
she, this is an intro so that the move, we know her ahead of the TV show. Yeah, well, because actually that's a great point too. She may not even be fully any, she may not have anything, but she might just be a character. I think I could see yeah. that working well um, within the scheme of things. Well, Black Panther Wakanda Forever will hit theaters on July 8th, 2022. Um, let's say that in air quotes because no idea. We never know what's happening <laughs> with, with movies anymore. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen with Who knows? whatever we'll Lambda virus or whatever virus comes after Delta. Well, we'll see how Shang-Chi does in the theater. So, yeah, yeah with, without Disney Plus, uh, you know, the premium access uh-huh. stuff there. The Gamma, the gamma variant? Is it, that it, where it, we it, all become the Hulk? I'm excited. It's an experiment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> next news, the Hollywood Reporter detailed Game of Thrones actor Jacob Anderson has scored a leading role in AMC's adaptation of Anne Rice's gothic vampire novel, Interview with the Vampire. Anderson, who played Grey Worm on HBO, will play the HBO hit fucking uh, Game of Thrones, will play Lewis, a young man who was seduced into the world of the undead by an amoral vampire Lestat. You've all seen that one with Brad Pitt and uh, Tom Cruise. Cruise. The casting will reunite Anderson with Game of Thrones director Alan Taylor, who's helming the show's first two episodes. Given that Lewis was a slave owner, how the hell is this going to work, Caleb? Well, it's Louis because he's French or French. He's, he's Cajun. Oh, uh, so, idiot. Yeah, you dummy. Um, oh, and that is, you know, that's the first thing I thought of. Like, first I was like, oh, great. Like, you know, having somebody who, um, uh, you know, the actor is mixed race. Uh, you know, having somebody who is mixed race, like playing this character is a nice, uh, nice turn. But like Louis was, you know, human in Louisiana you know, uh, like in the early 19th century, and he was a wealthy landowner, which meant that he was a slave owner. That's just how this shit works. They even like referenced it in the movie, which came out in 1994. Um, Anne Rice never really talked about it very much in an interview with the vampire or vampire list that or any of the, the, uh, the sequels. So I don't know if the show is going to deal with it. But um, look, historically, lighter skinned black people, you know, there were instances of them also being slave owners in the South. Um, you know, I don't know if the show is going to tackle that at all because there's something interesting to be mined there, but it's not really in the source material. So I feel a little like, you know, as somebody who was, who devoured these novels, you know, in the nineties and like watched all the movies, even the, the shitty one with Aaliyah, Queen of oh, the Damned. Rest in peace. Uh, I, I know, rest in peace. But, uh, you know, I'm just really kind of like intrigued by the sort of the, racial politics around all of this. I do want to quickly say, Kaylin, you would fucking read all of these goddamn Anne Rice novels. I like just picture God. I was that kid. Austin, Texas, like flipping through being like, my God, this is everything. <laughs> I I actually met her and I got Memnock the Devil signed by her. And I asked her about her like coming for Oprah uh, when Oprah was like really angry about Interview the Vampire or something. Like she thought it was too violent for everybody. <laughs> Clark uh, is I don't I haven't read any of them, but is Louis supposed to be like very attractive, like hot? Louis, even? I think this Louis, is just based on how hot Brad Pitt was slash yeah. you know kind of still is. So Louis here, okay, funny funny story. So Louis is definitely like he's emo hot, and Lestat is like David Bowie hot, like okay. you know kind of like more or like like younger sting kind of hot like he's like i'm a fucking rock star and lestat becomes a rock star spoiler alert um later on in the books um but the funny thing about it is there was a comic book adaptation in the 90s before the movie came out 
And, you know, the, you know, the, the, the rumor was that Tom Cruise was going to be in the movie and they weren't sure who he was going to play. Ultimately, it was Lestat. But the uh, illustrator drew Louie like Tom Cruise, completely miscasting nah. the role. No. So, uh, yeah, Louis, Louis is, is like, he's, he's a handsome dude. He definitely is. Um, doesn't it does I do I, I, I remember ages ago I googled all the characters and stuff. Doesn't Louis just become an incredibly unimportant character like very soon after because Anne Rice got bored of writing him? Oh, he's awful. He's like when I say he's emo, like he's he's a fucking whiner, <laughs> and uh, he's the intro character. Then then the series really becomes more about Lestat and even Armand, but yeah. like the show apparently is supposed to start with the vampire Lestat, which hit like, like from a chronological sequencing, mm-hmm. it takes place before interview with the vampire. So like, he's our, he's our point of view character. And then like, yes, he becomes less important. Um, going back to the uh, race element you were talking about um, in theater, you know, for ages, we are talking about not ages, but like the last 10 years, maybe in in film, we've been talking about colorblind casting which at the time was very good in terms of, you know, getting more performers of different races and, and you know, every mm-hmm. other um, walk of life. At this point in theater, it's we've gone past that to the point of it's color conscious casting where you know the race of the actual performer and stuff and see how that affects story. Mm. And that's what I don't know whether which one they're going for here. As you were talking about with um, the fact that the character is a slave owner, are they going to go dive into the fact and actually pay attention to the fact that it is an, uh, um, an actor of color? Or are they just going to be like, nah, we just cast a, a black um, char- or actor, excuse me, um, because we wanted to, or you know, just because we thought it was the best actor for the role. And because m- theater has gone past that, movies and television have not gone past that. Well, and I will say, because this is a TV show, they have as much freedom, I think, more than anything else to be able to do what they want, especially because, you know, the movie, you'd probably just tell a shortened version of the story from the book, whereas with a TV show, you obviously want multiple seasons, so you're going to find ways to drag and change and turn. I really hope you're right, Clark, that it is color conscious and that they evolve the story in a way that's nuanced and, you know, really kind of delves into some of those stuff, but, you know, that's that's wishing a lot. I mean, I just like, you know, me being a dramaturg, I, not that I just want dramaturgical history or like, you know, why they're do, doing everything. I want like dramaturgical casting. Like, why is this casting being done in, in terms of a thematic and storyline point? Kaylin? I was going to say, Anne Rice is, I mean, as much as I loved it when I was younger, um, her narration is a bit of a slog at times. It's very artsy-fartsy. It's very goth-heavy. Like I, I was the right age to read it. Like, you know, thank God I got it out of my system before the Twilight books came out, um, you know, but like, so I do hope that they kind of, you know, fix, fix some of the storylines, fix the, the, narr- the narrative, and hopefully they maybe even address this. Um, I think, you know, I think there's, there's some interesting stories that they could mine from it if they do it, if they do it correctly, but I don't know. When is this supposed to come out? There, I've heard 2022. It That's seems like way the, too late th- th- for just casting people to be 2022. But maybe it'll be in October. Ooh. 
Spooky October. Halloween. Other HBO talents got jobs. Lovecraft Country and underground creator Misha Green is reportedly re-teaming with Journey Smollett for a Black Canary spinoff movie project and was all but confirmed by a tweet from Journey herself, who will be reprising the role from Birds of Prey. Do you want more of Black Canary? No. Yeah. Sounds great. I hated that movie. I don't really care. How dare you hate that movie? I'm glad that she has another acting role after... um, Lovecraft Country. Lovecraft Country. Country. Yeah. She's a good actress, except for in yeah. that show. I know. I, I enjoyed her. Was... I enjoyed her as uh, Dinah Lance. She was a lot better than um, you know whoever the hell played her in Arrow. So <laughs> I'll leave that poor OC actress alone, or she seems like she's from the OC. She was on the. No, the she's OC. not good enough for the OC. OC I know, is much better. The, so... the um, second version of Melrose Place. Oh my that god, Cassidy, Katie Cassidy. Is that her name? I, that sounds about oh, right. The daughter I mean, of David Cassidy. The amount of time she was able to turn up in the Arrowverse is astounding and hilarious. Like you just got the, I just respect that tenacity. She's been in so many CW shows, it's outrageous. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, she's built for it. She's gorgeous. And she like generally can act at a average level. <laughs> uh, this might be stupid, but according to a random scoop artist on Twitter, Wanda will fight against someone from the Foxverse and Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Who would you like to see her go up against? No one. Yeah, it's my dumb. response also was was no one at all. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to see it. Well, you heard it here first. Hopefully this will not come to pass because it's a dumb fucking idea that was already used in WandaVision. I, I don't want any of the old cast at all. Yeah. None yeah, of like them. Deadpool. The I want her to go up against Deadpool. Okay, that's fine. What if it's coming? What if it's backwards sliding, coochie on the ground, Rebecca remains Stamos, giving a middle finger into a portal? Would you just for a minute? She shows up, I'd be fine with that. She comes out of one sliding in midair in the sky and (laughs) far more interesting than Jennifer Lawrence's version. Adam, that's your OnlyFans right there. You love that scene so fucking much. If you like planking, you should see me slide backward on my coochie at all. (laughs) (laughs) And that actually would have worked because I could have done it not in the nude either. So I was ready for both types of OnlyFans. Um, But uh, Hickman Substacks got premieres. Clark, you seem to know a lot about this. You want to talk about it? We've been talking about this this Substack for maybe the last month or so, you know, where he's I don't even know what the Substack is. It's basically like a web zine that they email you new things. Um, and it's $8 for just Hickman stuff that he's partnered up with some other folks. And it's a world where there are, as it's called, 3W3, and which is three worlds, three moons. Uh, this issue is co- not even a first issue. It's Comic 001A, entitled Fable. It's a six-page one that's basically just this kid and his father talking about the fact there are three moons. They're leading like a children's book, teaching the father teaching about the cosmos of their cosmology of their world. And then the father goes on some mission and never comes back. It's just a very short thing. That's just giving us an entry point. And the art is absolutely fucking gorgeous. You guys should take a look at it. It was stunning. And I feel like I need to actually maybe subscribe to this thing. Cause it's going to be, it's just, they put stuff out whenever the fuck they want to. Hopefully it's not going to be too much since the fact that it's monthly. You have they have to send enough stuff to make it worth it. Caleb, well, you said that they're also you did confirm that they you could PDF it. You right? can PDF it, and this one, this um first one right here is free. You don't have to pay for this. 
I think it's, you know, entryway, look, this great stuff we're going to do. Well, um, I'm excited to read it as well. We have talked about it for the last few weeks, Um, but I wanted a little plug for us because coming in the next several weeks, we're going to start off by doing something called Hickmanology. Um, We're going to workshop that name a little bit, but I was like, that's what we've been calling. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I don't fucking know. But uh, we're going to go back and look at like a lot of uh, Hickman's long form Marvel work before he started uh, with the X-Men, including the Secret Warriors, um, Fantastic Four and the Avengers and see like how, you know, his like, you know, multi-year sort of story arcs worked out for those series and how they kind of informed the X-Men, at least until he's officially leaving after Inferno and then uh, how he does with his Substack work. Whatever he's joining... I think the show is about a hick boy becoming a hick man. Um, cool. <laughs> I'm gonna end the podcast now after that joke. Is everyone cool with that? <laughs> Let's that move on to comics. Whoa, whoa. All right, so we'll go over these pretty quickly. Uh, first up, Cable Reloaded number one by Al Ewing and Bob Quinn. The Last Annihilation continues, and Old Man Cable is back. And just like his younger counterpart, he's heading up Swords Security. Although unlike his teenage self. He's less impressed with Abigail Brand and her unique blend of sarcasm and cynical bravado. He assembles a makeshift team comprising of Cannonball, Boom Boom, Leela Cheney, Wizkid, and Cora of the Burning Heart. And since the name X-Force is taken, Wizkid dubs them the all-new, all-different exterminators. They head to Breakworld, yep, from Whedon's Astonishing X-Men, to fight not Optimus Prime and build a giant gun to fight Dormammu. Lattice is on brand for a book starring Cable. And then the last, annihil- last annihilation, excuse me, continues in a one shot featuring our favorite married cu- gay couple, Wiccan and Hulkling. What'd you guys think? I was very happy with it. I found it weird that Rocket Raccoon was. He was talking about like Rocket Raccoon. You're like a god in our future. You're like a legend. I'm like, I loved oh, okay. that. Okay, loved it. Loved it. I thought it was annoying. It's a cute flip that. for me on that because I know that every every time we've been reading, I feel like they constantly are honing in on Rocket being like a fucking raccoon. So I thought it was kind of a cute twist. It was very fan servicey, but I, I did think it kind of worked out. And I liked seeing old man Cable, like obviously being very different than he is with most people that he's interacting with, including brands who I absolutely loved their kind of interaction. Cause I love the idea of like, we're both realizing there's too many cooks in the kitchen. Um, yeah, I thought it was a great issue. I think it really, I know that we all hate Old Man Cable. If they can, if Al Ewing can write him or they just keep up this energy where we get to like see him as a thoughtful, gruff person that's also having this heart, which I know like is kind of how he's always been. But like, I thought they wrote it really well and just watching the team work together, I thought was super cute. Love to see Wiz Kid in action. So yeah, and Cora, fuck. Like I love that they're finally getting some Iraqis uh, to do some action in the uh, in the books. Clark? I have- Two things. One thing is, I think I like this issue of Cable, of this Cable, better than I've had besides Kid Cable uh, since Cable Deadpool days and Carrie's X Men when he was in there, which happened at the same time. Like I haven't liked him since that point. Um, I think part of it is that Kid Cable ness is inside of him, so maybe that's like a plus. The fact that we liked him so much, <laughs> like okay, they didn't throw that character away; they just shoved him back in time, and he's still coming from that character, Kayla. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I completely agree with you. I, I think it's Al Ewing's writing. So if Al Ewing is going to find a way to continue writing Cable, and I hope he, he uh, is more integrated into S.W.O.R.D. moving forward, I think that's awesome. I love the line of how 
cable was included to keep basically the summers people really happy because they're so important for Krakoa. But like, I'm actually a badass, and like Abigail Brand has to realize that. Of mm-hmm. Adam, to your point, there's too many cooks in the kitchen now. What are you gonna say, Clark? I was gonna say one, you know, nitpick that I always like to do. Um, do you remember this page where they introduce all the all the characters for the new ex, uh, exterminators? Yes. And it goes yeah. in order and like makes sense. Cable, boom, boom, and then they do Wizkid in the bottom. Says, "When I was young, I thought he was a rock star." And then they go to Cora, blah blah blah. The next one's Lila Cheney, and it ends with an actual rock star with an interplanetary fan, interplanetary fan base. I hated the fact that Wizkid and Lila weren't next to each other. It ruins that quasi joke. <laughs> It ruins that flow. It pisses me off so hard. Oh, That's yeah, yeah, just yeah. from my literal nitpicky dramaturgy brain because I, you know, I help edit original works uh, for That's plays. It just pissed me off so hard and it just knocked me out for a minute. So speaking of Iraqis, let's move on to Wolverine number 15 by Benjamin Percy and Adam Hubert. While investigating who ambushed the Marauder and stole the Shi'ar Lodge Diamond, uh, Wolverine encounters uh, an Iraqi pirate mutant named Sever Blackmore, who tells him that Solemn is the likely culprit of ambushing the Marauder. If you recall, Solemn is another Iraqi mutant that Wolverine uh, crossed swords with during the Ten of Swords. Turns out uh, both Blackmore and Solemn have a bit of a history with the former encouraging Wolverine to take out the latter. The incentive, um, uh, Blackmore's got one of two of the Murasama blades that Solemn carried during the Tournament of Swords. Wolverine, of course, has the other one, or so he thinks. Apparently, Solemn's been in Logan's home at the Summer's home on the moon, and he stole the blade and replaced it with a decoy. That sneaky bitch. What'd you guys think? I liked it. It was a lot of exposition to get where we are, but I thought it was interesting. Sevier Blackmore is a lot more interesting than the first mm-hmm. <laughs> issue led on of this storyline. Uh, I love that Solemn's back. I love that Solemn got more backstory because we all liked him during Ten of Swords. I want to see more of him. And I, I really did like the the surprise at the end. I thought that was a really cool twist. And it's kind of like this weird back and forth, like sexy heist. Because I think Solomon and uh, Wolverine should definitely have sex. I was kind of annoyed with the, you know, like the whole concept, like the, the enemy of my enemy is my friend thing. Where, you know, he was, he, Sever of uh, Blackmore was like, we should join forces. And Wolverine's just like, no. And I was like, no, you should in this case. <laughs> yeah, like, right? shut up, Wolverine. You should know better. You're a smart enough tactician to be able to figure this out. It, that right. bothered me. And then that that's when Blackmore was like, oh, fuck you. Then we'll fight for a little bit until we're not. That bothered me. I love the idea of a magnetized floor. I thought that's like such a smart, if you're not Magneto, what's the second best thing you could do to fuck up Wolverine? Yeah. <laughs> Stick him to the ground. <laughs> I didn't think that I was going to enjoy this book more than X-Force, but uh, based on the last couple of issues of Wolverine, mm-hmm. last couple of issues of X-Force, this is a lot more interesting. Yeah. Uh, and it's, uh, ironically, it is a, this is a mission for X-Force that Wolverine is doing. And you have Sage there at the very end because he contacts her, you know, when he finds out that uh, the, the Murasama blade that he's got uh, up, a, up on the moon is actually a decoy. Uh, I, th- I like the character of Stalem. I, I like the character of Sever, Sever Blackmore a lot. Um, so like bringing in these sort of, uh, Iraqi, uh, mutants who haven't made the trip up to Mars, uh, uh or planet Iraqo, excuse me, uh, is actually pretty cool. Clark? I, I want to say he should be happy that he lost his nose because he looks much cooler without his nose than just some random schmo, um, when he actually had his nose still. Blackmore, his I should say. His face is just so fucking weird looking. Regardless. I like it. It's much cooler. And then I'm like, oh, you just look like some complete schlub. 
Uh, the last thing I was going to say, I really like the, you know, usually it's an infographic page, but I like the info page of all the different things that's, that um, yeah. Sol Solomon has done recently and before this time. And they made a point of basically saying how bisexual he is. He's like, we see slept with the mother and daughter and son of this guy, and then they all murdered him. And then he was like, and then he impregnated a ton of both male and female um, <laughs> aliens. And I'm like, okay, all right, we got it. We got it. I love it. Yeah, no, that that's why I'm just like, they're playing with that character so much. And I, I think they'll do, I think, I feel like he's going to crystallize as like someone who will continually be around in the Marvel universe. Cause I think it's such an interesting character. It also is very interesting what they're doing with the whole yacht explosion. You're like, there's 3000 groups and people involved in this yacht explosion. <laughs> Which one got there first? It is like six. And I did like the X-Force tie-in of the fact that like they showed up there. Yeah, it's all, I do like that the two issues are moving alongside of each other, two series. Yeah. So let's move on then to Thor number 16 by Donnie Cates and Michelle Bandini. Uh, Mjolnir has turned into a party bottom, allowing itself to be picked up by anyone regardless of their worth. Thor heads to Earth, New York to be specific, to have a conversation with Jane Foster about what to do. He tells her of his vision of Thanos carrying around the hammer bejeweled with the Infinity Stone, a real MacGuffin's MacGuffin. They get hot dogs. Thor can apparently mimic a New York accent. And Jane Foster suits up as Valkyrie to fight the Wrecking Crew, Marvel's perennial bad guys when the Serpent Society are out of town. Thor, seem uh, Thor seemingly gets summoned by Freya, but turns out it's, it's strange daddy Odin who needs a word with Sonny Boy. In Vanaheim, not to be confused with a town in Orange County, California, father and son get attacked by a horned beast but get saved by the actual Freya looking incredibly badass and Angela, not Merkel. What'd you guys think? I mean, I'd be Angela. fine with Angela Merkel showing up too. Oh, for sure. Um, She'd be great. For once, I mean, the, the Wrecking Crew show up a billion times and they're always jerks and then they get beaten up. I like the fact that usually he just yells at Thor a lot and tries to fight him. In this case, as soon as Thor shows up, he's like, oh, fuck, Wrecker. <laughs> and the other ones just run away. It was a much good... Usually they're kind of annoying, boring. This one I quite enjoyed. Yeah, it was a good, uh, I thought it was a good issue overall. It's obviously like just continuing the story. It's fun to continue to watch Jane Foster and Thor talk. It was a very like downtime issue. Freya looks fucking awesome. Um, I just, I just want to keep seeing more, but there wasn't anything that like completely uh, stood out to me. All right. So then let's move on then to our final comic of the week, Marvel Voices Identity Number 1. And this one focuses on AAPI uh, characters as told by AAPI creators. So there's um, eight stories. Uh, first one's by uh, Shang-Chi by Jen Luen Yang and Marcus To. Uh, second is Jubilee by Christina Strain and Jason Liu. Uh, the third is Jimmy Woo by Greg Pak and Chris Lee. The fourth is Ms. Marvel by Sabir Pirzda and uh, Mashal Ahmed. Uh, then Wave by Alyssa Wong and Will Partaccio, Silhouette by Jeremy Holt and uh, Alti Firmancia, uh, Armor and Samurai, Silver Samurai, excuse me, by Ken Nomura, and Amadeus Cho and Silk by um, Maureen Gu and Lin Yoshi. Apologies if I mispronounced anyone's name here. I'm not going to go through each of the stories here, but from my perspective, you know, we've reviewed um, a bunch of these, including... Uh, the queer one uh, for Pride Month back in June. Uh, we've done one uh, that focused on women, on uh, on uh, black characters, mm -hmm. on indigenous characters, and being Asian American and immigrant myself, um, this one really kind of spoke to me in a lot of different ways. 
um, you know, from Jubilee's story of being a little like kind of annoyed slash embarrassed by her by her by her parents, and that one that one was by Christina Strain, who did that Generation X series that we reviewed on podcast when the podcast started, uh, as well as Miss Marvel being in Pakistan and the the other characters she's interact she's interacting with, basically says, well, you're not really you're not really Pakistani, and being somebody who was born in India, moved to the United States went back to visit. I'd heard that a lot, but I'm not really Indian because I'd lived in the United States for so long. And then the uh, the team up of Amadeus Cho and Silk, where they're fighting the Scarecrow, who basically goes on a tirade about how he's not taken seriously because the Avengers don't come. And they're like, try being Asian American. Like, you know, here's all the reasons why we're not taken seriously. All the stories were, you know, slight as they are in the anthology series. But I didn't think any one of them was bad, uh, which isn't true for all the other anthology series that we've read. Um, and you know, being as I said, being Asian American as an and an, uh, an immigrant, uh, I thought it was great. I also think this is the strongest one of all the ones we've read this year. Um, I just want to say, I, as I got annoyed with the Rocket Raccoon Cable stuff, I hated the Wave and Bishop stuff, where he's like, "Wow, you're so amazing in my future." Yeah. I'm like, "Shut up!" <laughs> once again. Stop thinking off some random character how fucking hugely important they are. I will never like, see or care ago. about. Oh, it pissed me off. Uh, um, yeah, no, I think that this definitely felt the most authentic to general experiences and conversations and didn't, because oh, I think some of the other, at least particularly I'm thinking about the Pride one, because that's probably the one I really have actual attachment to in terms of my experience. And some of that stuff felt more like not cartoonish, but just felt like inauthentic. Whereas I think all of this was really thoughtfully written and was just interesting to read, even as someone that's not part of the community, just kind of understanding more and, and getting it. I just thought it was a, a really great one. I mean, they've all been interesting. There's always like winners to, uh, in each of the issues, but this one I think definitely stands out as like what I'd love to continue to see and how important it is um, that people do feel represented. And, you know, hopefully these characters continue to have more presence in actual books beyond just these, like, you know, subset ones that you could read at your leisure that don't really continue the, the storylines for them. Clark? Was anyone incredibly hungry after reading this comic? I wanted <laughs> yes. pork buns so fucking bad. Yeah. Like, and then the whole oh armor and silver so. sam samurai one that was so cute, you know, about uh, Japanese food. Like, I, I was so hungry, so fucking <laughs> I no, also I love, I love the Silver Samurai and Armor one a lot. And I didn't mention it because the whole thing of like, you know, an older Asian person saying, oh, the way that you're using substitutes for a certain, you know, dish isn't authentic and like getting really angry about it. And then a younger person saying, well, no, like we can still get the flavors if we just do it this way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, you know, like her, like, you know, uh, improvising some of the, some of the ingredients I thought was great. Uh, because, you know, I think um, as long as you're honoring the food, you can find different ways to do it. I was going to say my favorite, all the artwork was really pretty and and very different, which I liked. But Miss Marvel with Mashal Ahmed, I thought was just beautiful. And I'd love to see more of their work. And uh, I don't know, I'm sure they're already doing comics elsewhere. But I'm like, I want more of that because it was like semi-anime, semi-manga, semi-not. I just thought it was beautiful. I'd like to see more. Hey, Clark, in the first story, the Shang-Chi one, um, they, they had, you know, like it was basically what if versus what what is. Mm -hmm. um, and the order of Uatu, has that existed before? Because I don't know if I've seen that in a comic. I don't remember anymore. It wasn't my favorite <laughs> storyline. It wasn't my favorite storyline, but I did kind of enjoy like the, the fact that what if, what if is happening right now, like on Disney Plus, and we kind of got like a, 
like almost like a what if of like you know if shang chi hadn't betrayed his dad and like you know basically been part of his criminal enterprise you know what would have happened so um quick google shows nothing okay and i didn't like that one yeah which is kind of ironic because jen luen yang is the current writer for shang chi we started reading that miniseries last year well, we didn't like didn't that really, we didn't really care for it so yeah it's kind of un, it's kind of unfortunate but uh overall um just i think great stuff yes so, so that's been it. that's the issues this week so adam i think you're all turned over to you to close us out sure can that's been the uh episode we love you so much remember to like and subscribe all the things that we're on including spotify twitter at homo superior x instagram at homo superior podcast rate and review us so we can go up the chain and get more fans or little homos is that what we're calling them <laughs> <laughs> little, homos. You little homos let's get out there and get some likes uh we've been <laughs> <laughs> we've been homo superior and we'll still be here when black panther 2 wakanda forever comes out thank you so much we love you good night bye